0: everyone, it's wonderful to be with you again, and uh, I I mean, it's so great to be able to have you guys with me, and me to be with you, and uh, for us to have more adventures in this wonderful world we're living in. Um, We're sort of suffering for that Chinese curse, we're living through interesting times, unfortunately, but... At least we're still alive. At least we still have America, and at least many of us still have the will to fight for all that's good and true and wonderful in our, in our world. Um, I'm going to focus on some good news to begin with. Um, headline from Reason Magazine the, by Liz Wolf. The media have finally realized that Cuomo and Newsom are terrible. Will voters... The governors of New York and California have botched major aspects of the pandemic response. Nearly a year into the pandemic, people on both coasts are increasingly fed up with their leaders, In California, Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom has done such a poor job handling COVID-19 that activists in the state have submitted more than 1.1 million signatures for a Recall Newsom ballot initiative, hoping to qualify for inclusion by the March 17th deadline. In New York, previously chummy reporters and TV anchors, are finally holding Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo's feet to the fire after reports surfaced that his administration had not only used a march directive that put nursing home residents' lives in peril, but had also hidden the total deaths resulting from that decision. For those who soured on the efficacy of lockdowns many months ago or voiced skepticism of executive power right from the start, the incompetence of Newsom and Cuomo is unsurprising. It's encouraging, though, because now people other than partisans and principal critics of executive power are taking notice of the ways these two governors failed their constituents over the last year. In California, schools remain closed, meaning 6 million children continue to be subjected to ineffectual virtual learning. The vaccine rollout got off to a terribly slow start. The second ban on outdoor dining, which was in place from early December until late January, has been lifted but was in place for far too long. The 10 p.m. curfew for all non-essential work and gatherings, which was put in place in the end of November, was finally lifted at the end of January, and as Newsom asked residents to continue to stay home, and avoid gatherings this fall. He was caught red-handed attending a lobbyist's 12-person birthday dinner at the Michelin-starred French Laundry in early November. So now the chickens have come home to roost. And in an effort to recall, Newsom is gaining steam. Recall proponents must submit nearly 1.5 million verified signatures from registered California voters by March 17th. As of February 5th, proponents had submitted... 1.1 1.1 million signatures, 800,000 of which have already been officially verified. Of those verified signatures, 84% belong to registered voters, which the New York Times notes is an unusually high percentage compared to typical recall efforts. Wasting no time, the former mayor of San Diego, Kevin Falconer is already campaigning as a Republican, no less, for the Newsom job. If the recall effort is successful, Newsom would be the second California governor to be fired from the job, and according to organizers, it will be in no small part due to the crippling effects his policies have had on small business owners, school children, and working families. A related story of incompetence is playing out in in the opposite coast. Cuomo has not covered himself in glory since the start of the pandemic, New York has been afflicted by a typical blue state pandemic governance, the lights of which we also saw in places like California, a winner of closed indoor dining and 10 p.m. curfews, very limited school reopening, guidance from legal advising leaders advising residents to double mask and maybe even to continue masking once vaccinated. But Cuomo's administration has also been embroiled in an enormous scandal. Just a few weeks ago, New York Attorney General Leticia James reported that that the governor had undercounted the state's COVID-related nursing home deaths by nearly 4,000, making the true nursing home resident death toll about 40% higher than Cuomo's administration claimed. Then Cuomo aide Melissa DeRosa admitted during a private conference call with Democrats that the administration had covered up the true death toll, afraid of provoking a Department of Justice investigation. For months, the Cuomo administration has been rightfully hounded by critics, asking for more information on the March 25th directive, which required nursing homes to admit or readmit COVID-19 patients regardless of whether they tested negative for the virus, though it was intended to free up hospital space by shifting patients back to nursing homes, many theorize that the total death toll in nursing homes could have been significantly reduced had the required negative COVID-19 tests prior to administration. So, Cuomo is essentially facing two different scandals, the initial negligence of the March 25th directive, which resulted in thousands of additional people dying, and a disgraceful refusal to come clean and face accountability. Though Cuomo's blameworthy nursing home directive has been an open secret for many months, the national news media largely averted their glance from the story while people like Fox's Janice Dean sounded the alarms alone. Locally, journalists at the Newark Star-Ledger were ripping the policies of New Jersey and New York as far back as May 2020, but national media outlets took took fairly little notice. Of late, they've been taking a gruffer stance, even examining Cuomo's past and present as strongman bullying. The New York the, the new republic headline reads The Andrew Cuomo show has lost the plot New York Times headline declare Uprising grows over Andrew Cuomo's bullying and Cuomo faces revolt after handling of nursing home deaths. And even as outcry over nursing home grows, Cuomo lashes out at critics. The Wall Street Journal bluntly asks if Cuomo did the same thing to disabled people that he did to the elderly. In another Cuomo cover-up, another Times article notes that Cuomo has for years berated aides and elected officials brought people to tears and threatened to fire them or end their careers. People outside the governor's direct control who have clashed with him and he has told them he would be they would be subject to negative news stories or political challenges or in one case would be publicly lightened to a child rapist. Most recently, Ron Kim, a New York State Assemblyman, and and fellow Democrat has come forward with stories of Cuomo calling him to threaten him after Kim called the nursing home cover-up an obstruction of justice. Kim has also declared his intention to pursue impeachment proceedings in a scathing piece in Newsweek. As Cuomo and Newsom face deserved condemnation and maybe even real consequences for their pandemic malfeasance. It's worth remembering that the two combined to make decisions affecting a collective 30 uh, sorry, a collective 60 million people, or about 18 percent of the U.S. population. The pandemic and subsequent deprivations of liberty in the form of cyclical lockdowns are too late reminders that we ought to be choosy, not just about who sits in the Oval Office but also in the governor's mansions. So the big takeaway, the big walkaway on that one, is the incredibly high percentage of already verified registered voters who've signed the recall petition for Newsom. And when you have that high of a percentage, it's a strong indication that Newsom is in severe, severe, severe electoral trouble now my friends I agree with you because I'm already saying what you think yes yeah, sorry, but what about the election theft issues and my friends that is a concern but let's just deal with what we can deal with at the moment and right now the good news in all this is that Newsom is highly underwater in the popularity um, the popularity quotient more good news out of California this is dated. uh Updated, February 21st, 2021, so four days ago, San Francisco School Board halts renaming 22 schools after weeks of scorn. That's right. What you heard here a few days ago, a few weeks ago, whatever it was, gotta lose time since we're living in year zero now. Remember when I read to you that um, spreadsheet of the the, uh, school renaming propositions and their justifications, why in the San Francisco Unified School District area? Well, The school board has halted the renaming. So, even in liberal San Francisco, political pressure is mounting against this kind of idiocy. This was written by Doug Zimmerman at the San Francisco Gate. The renaming of 44 schools in the San Francisco Unified School District is apparently being put on hold after intense local and national blowback. In a statement released in the San Francisco Chronicle on Sunday, San Francisco School Board President, you'll love this name, I've read it before, I'll read it again, Gabriela Lopez said it would make reopening schools during the pandemic the only focus, and the renaming committee meetings will be canceled for now. So, okay, let's put this in our pipe and uh, take a toke on it. Um. They're not canceling the renaming, they've put them on hold for now, which means that we don't want to tell our Antifa, Black Lives Matter, lunatic base we've canceled it because they'll kill us. But it's, uh, it's it's dead for now, thank God. San Francisco E8 and the San Francisco Chronicle are both owned by Hearst but operate independently from one another. Thank you for the disclaimer, San Francisco Gate. In response to widespread criticism that the school board has not consulted historians before the year, near unanimous decision, Lopez promised a more deliberate. And by the way, I pronounce her name Lopez because I'm um, I'm showing respect to her Hispanic heritage. Or La- I'm I'm showing respect to her Latinx heritage. That's Latinx. L-A-T-I-N-X, Latinx heritage. Gabriel Lopez, you know, like Linda Alvarez of CBS News back in the 1990s here in LA. In a response to the widespread criticism and the school bo- uh, that the school board had not consulted historians before the near unanimous decision, Lopez promised a more deliberative process moving forward, which includes engaging historians at nearby universities to help with future name change decisions. I acknowledge and take responsibility that mistakes were made in the renaming process, Lopez said in her statement. Lopez said in her statement. Um, And then in a tweet, she wrote, I want to make sure as many people as possible can see my statement about the board's focus on reopening our schools. And then she posted a link and a picture of it, uh, Madam President Gabriela Lopez. The school board approved three weeks ago the renaming of schools in order to exclude affiliations with racism, slavery, colonization, and other troubled legacies. The namesakes included Presidents Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson, Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein, and others. The historical explanations for removing their, varied, their them varied widely and were roundly judged as flawed. San Francisco Mayor London Breed condemned the renaming decision for its timing. What I And she said, what I cannot understand is why the school board is advancing a plan to have all these schools renamed by April, when there isn't a plan to have our kids back in school by then, she said after the board's decision. Since the school board's decision, Lopez has struggled to justify the move in interviews. The Chronicle also reported Sunday that Lopez and two other board members are facing a recall petition. Again, boom. Very nice. More news out of California. This is from the 18th, February 18th, 2021. From Gateway Pundit, our friend Jim Hoft. California school board members caught trashing parents for wanting schools open. They want their babysitters back. And then there's an update to the story that I don't think is in this copy that I'll uh, get to in a moment. Let me see here. Uh, I'll, I'll read the story and then I'll get to the update. School board members in Oakley, California were caught mocking and trashing parents who desperately want their children back in the classroom during a virtual meeting. The board did not realize that parents could watch the meeting. Whoops! One of the board members said the parents just wanted schools to reopen so they could smoke weed during the day. Well, who doesn't, okay? Board member Richie Masadas said that his brother had a medical marijuana service and the clientele were parents with their kids in school. When you got your kids at home, no more smoking out, Masadas added. You can also hear school board member Kim Beattie using expletives in talking about parents saying, bitch, if you want to call me out, I'm going to fuck you up. They don't know what... By the way, I'm quoting them. I'm trying not to use that kind of profanity on my podcast. This is a PG-rated podcast, but occasionally we have to quote a Democrat so it gets a little nasty. They don't know what goes on behind the scenes. It's really, unfortunately, they, they want to... Check on us because they want their babysitters back," said board member Lisa Brizendine. There are now there is now movement for several members of the Oakley Union Elementary School District Board of Education to resign after their comments were posted online. Uh, here's the update. Great news! They've all resigned. So look at this. Newsom's recall has essentially met the threshold to make the ballot. What happens at that point? Don't know. But it for it just be having that on the ballot forces Newsom to curtail his behavior, at least just a bit. The school board members of the school board caught mocking parents complaining about their kids being abused by the by the school closures are all gone. The renaming of of schools in San Francisco is over, uh, for now. But that's another victory. So we're having victories. That's an important thing. Uh, Now we're going to get to where we're not having victories, but maybe this will lead to a victory. So uh, we'll see what happens with this. This is um, another article from recent Magazine. Uh, This is by Christian Britsky. Uh, dated uh, two days ago, February 23rd, 2021. And I give you guys a time reference so you can get a sense of the day this podcast was recorded. And even though I try to make the uh, subject matter, as they say in the biz, evergreen, so you can listen to it in in perpetuity, it's nice to know that this was recorded on February 25th, 2021, and we're referring to a story from the 23rd. Retail stores in most of California, California bill would give $1,000 fines to retailers with separate girls and boys toy sections. The proposed bill from Assemblymember Evan Lowe and Cristina Garcia would require stores to have one unisex section for children's products and apparel. Retail stores in most of California are now, are um are only allowed to operate at 25% capacity. A new bill in the state legislature would ensure that whatever part of their shop is allowed to open is as <coughs> inclusive as possible. Oh, thank you. Last week, Assembly members Evan Lowe, from uh, Democrat from Cupertino and Christina Garcia, Democrat Los Angeles, introduced a bill that would require retailers to offer their toys and childcare products, in a gender-neutral format. By the way, a little note on my pronunciation of Hispanic names. I have a policy that whenever I refer to a Hispanic-sounding name of a member of the Democrat Party, I say it with as much of a authentic accent and, a, and, and as much of an appropriated accent as I can, in order to, like I said earlier, honor the Latinx heritage. Yeah, so it's not. I'm not. I'm not denigrating them. I'm, honorating, I'm honoring and celebrating that. It's important we honor and celebrate every diverse member of our community with the diversity of that member. So that's the reason. Brick and mortar shops would have to display the majority of their products and clothing aimed at children in one undivided unisex area on the sales floor. They'd also be barred from putting up signage that would indicate whether a product was intended for a boy or a girl. California-based retailers that sell children's products online would also have to have a page on their website that offers these products in a general neutral fashion. The bill would allow retailers to title that section of their website Kids, Unisex, or Gender Neutral. The bill is nearly identical to one that Lowe introduced last year. Telling Politico that the time that he was shop- hoping to create, that at the time he was hoping to create a more inclusive shopping experience. This is an issue of children being able to express themselves without bias, he said. Low dropped the bill in May uh, because children have all gone to college and are aware of gender studies. Just. Uh, I didn't know that, but now I I know. Lowe dropped the bill in May to prioritize COVID-19 related work, but promised to pick it up the fight later, saying that in a statement that the policy behind the bill is not only important in regards to addressing perceived societal norms, but also ensuring that prejudice and judgment does not play a prominent role in our children's lives. I look forward to working on this issue in the future. If past stores that did put dresses in a separate girl section could be hit with a $1,000 civil fine, the policy would only apply to retail department stores with over 500 employees. (laughs) Okay, so Target can get around this when they put in automated kiosks and robots to replace all their employees. Even without mandates, some retailers have been moving away from gender in-store promotion. In 2015, Target announced that it would get rid of separate sections for bedding and toys. They also, in 2015, this is me saying it, uh, also got rid of uh, gendered bathrooms. At the time, the company was careful to note that they weren't eliminating all gender distinctions in their store layout and signage, saying that, some cases, like apparel, where there are fit and sizing differences, gender-based suggestions are appropriate. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let me make a note of that real fast. That's that's really a fascinating point. Uh, let me grab my old pen here and... Uh uh, you know, let's itemize that. Lowe's bill would deprive Target and other retailers for making that choice for themselves. That stores like Target are voluntarily moving towards more general neutral promotions shows that mandating such change isn't necessary to provide a genderless child section for to shoppers. The fact that some haven't made the same move suggests that there are still be customers who find gender distinctions helpful. Yeah, you think? regulating how companies market their products online and in their stores could potentially raise first amendment challenges as well. A bill would appear to disadvantage brick-and-mortar stores versus online retailers, but it's those same brick-and-mortar retailers that have been hammered by the pandemic and related that have been hammered by the pandemic and related lockdown restrictions, having to spend more complying with new regulations may be the last thing they need. Let's also take this to the nth degree is, you know, the removal of distinctions is part and parcel of all this. Um, okay, so are we going to remove size distinctions? Because the overly sized, i.e. really, really fat, are offended by seeing thin clothes made distinct from fat clothes. Are we going to uh, just throw all the clothes in a blender pile and uh, because we don't want to make distinctions between underwear and T-shirts and pants and socks and hats? And jackets and sweaters and just put them all together and you got to find it where you find it. I mean, organizing the world is a very helpful thing, is it not? But no, to the left who want chaos and primitivism and all the Agenda 21 returns to the past, you know, uh, tyrannies and disorganizations of the primitive man. The last thing they want is distinctions of anything, let alone boys and girls. Also, um, my friend Barack Lurie, whose podcast I'm on, talks frequently about um, boy mentality. And he's actually right about this. Boys like stuff for boys. And it's a classic stereotype because it's true that boys usually don't want to do things with girls. Because when you're a little boy, playing with girls can suck. So boys want to play only with boys and boys want to shop for boys' toys around boys and only see boys' toys when they shop. And I'll tell you this, as a little boy, I remember that I found dolls disturbing and I didn't want to see them. And I still find them disturbing and don't want to see them. I don't like mannequins and, you know, weird things that look like people. I'm not into that. I'm a boy. I like spaceships and airplanes and ships and guns and trucks and cars and, you know, Legos and cool stuff that can blow up and stuff. I don't like girl toys. And think about how this just is meant to just disturb normal boys who are minding their business by forcing them to interact with girls in ways they don't wish. So, it's again, the same set of behaviors our friends in the Democrat Party and the political left always do always claiming to be helping someone but really the goal is to hurt people because that's what they do Democrats destroy stuff it's what they do learn it remember it love it and tell the others because um, you know that's that's the fact of life from Yaron Steinbeck yeah Yaron Steinbeck At the New York Post, dated uh, today, February 25th, 2021, California, OnlyFans' mom, Crystal Jackson, says her kids were expelled from school. Uh, When I read that to you, the the sentence may not make sense because there's a word, phrase, that you need to find for you, which is OnlyFans, which is spelled capital O-N-L-Y, capital F-A-N-S. It's a website service, and what it is, um, for those who don't know, the article will probably go into this, but I'll just define it up front. Um, it allows people to make their own adult content and put it on their own site and charge people subscription prices, uh, prices to join it and look at it. And Some people who are um, blessed with <laughs> talent, like men with very large <laughs> equipment and women with a lot of beauty can do very well using it. It's a uh, form of uh, the gig economy. It's like Uber for porn stars. You can do it yourself or you don't even have to be a porn star. You're not subjected to the um, to the organized crime and the mafia and all this other stuff. Um, uh, So (sighs) this is what happened to her and I think this is An unbelievable, awful story. A California woman who peddles sexy snaps and videos online said her three young kids have been kicked out of a Catholic school because of her activity. Crystal Jackson, known as Tiffany Poindexter or Mrs. Poindexter on the OnlyFans app, and I suggest you all, even if you're not interested in this material, go to Mrs. Poindexter on OnlyFans and subscribe and support her in her struggle against this because this story is awful. Because I don't necessarily endorse what she does, but she's free to do it. But her kids should not be made to suffer from it. And what she does for a living, provided it doesn't involve anything illegal, should not be held against her by a school. And it also brings up the issue that She's doing the wholesome mom responsible thing of trying to give her children a religious education and give them the opportunity to have a relationship with God. And all of that is admirable, especially for someone working in an industry that might be less than wholesome. I mean, it's really easy for wholesome people to raise wholesome children, but isn't it more of a challenge for someone like me who might be a slightly flawed human being to try to do the same thing? And shouldn't that be actually rewarded by society rather than punished? Anyway, I'll read on. But her seductive venture has landed her in hot water as her kids' Sacred Heart Parish School in Sacramento, which which she said has expelled them, CBS Sacramento reported. The principal said the family is no longer welcome at the elementary school and even barred them from picking up the children's belongings, according to a news outlet. (laughs) That's cold. Jackson said that a group of moms... Shut up, Siri. Fucking bitch. Uh, Sorry. Um, The principal said that the family is no longer welcome at the elementary school and even barred them from picking up... uh, Sorry. Jackson said that a group of moms discovered her site last summer and started a campaign to get her kids kicked out of the school. Yeah, because they're fat, ugly, and they're jealous. By the way, there's pictures in this article for the New York Post. I highly recommend you looking at the visual. If I was using the camera today, I would hold them up because this chick's cute. And she sounds conservative. She's trying to raise her kids with a relationship with God. What's not to love? At one point, the group sent anonymous envelopes, including her explicit material, to the diocese and principal, the CBS station reported. They wanted my kids removed who are innocent to the whole thing, Jackson said. Now it's kind of like we got caught. Here's our secret life exposed. Yeah, it's one thing if your kids discover, You know, look, we're all sinners. That's what Christianity teaches. We're all flawed. When we raise our kids, we do our best to shield them from the fact we're flawed or what that flaw is while at the same time saying, hey, uh, kids, uh, we're flawed, you're flawed. We all have to struggle with sin to be better people. Here's how we have a relationship with God. Thank you very much. The the, the people who should be expelled from the school are the parents who uh, got together and did this. The station said it obtained a copy of an email sent to the Jacksons. Your apparent quest for high-profile controversy in support of your adult website is in direct conflict with what we hope to impart to our students, according to the message cited by the outlet. We, therefore, require that you find another school for your children and have no further association with ours added the email, which was reportedly signed by Principal Teresa Sparks. I strongly suggest you all look up Principal Teresa Sparks at that school and send her an email letting her know how awful what she did is. She deserves it. Keep it clean, folks. No threats, no profanity, no violence, no nothing. Just tell her, I don't like what you did, and that it's a a very anti-Christian thing that she did. And it is. It absolutely is. The school would not comment to CBS 13 about the matter. Oh, boy, there's another picture of this woman. She's cute. Ah, beautiful. Jackson said that she would continue. uh, And by the way, the New York Post, the pictures they posted are the uh, PG-13, if not, uh, uh, yeah, PG PG and PG-13 level pictures. Nothing R or X-rated in the New York Post article, but they're beautiful. And, you know, it, it stimulates the male part of me. Jackson said she would continue to post on her OnlyFans page and that the couple is applying to send the kids to another Catholic school, but is worried they may be banned completely by the city's diocese. The mother said her seductive venture began with a post on Reddit as a way to spice up her romance with her hubby. Someone was like, hey, why don't you start an OnlyFans, Jackson told CBS13. We're like, what the heck is that? Her husband said they think it is an artistic or sultry and sexy and fun and playfully, but certainly nothing hardcore, Fox 19 reported. Crystal Wirt, who was removing the second grade room mom two weeks ago, who was removed as a second grade room mom two weeks ago, said, you're t- taking these innocent children and you are punishing them for something you don't agree with. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Um, so... Uh I want to talk for a second about the vaccines. Uh, a f- good friend of mine, someone I absolutely adore and love, very much said, why do you have a problem with the COVID vaccine but not, say, the Salk vaccine? And there were like three or four or even five reasons that were good. And when I said them to her, I don't know if I changed her mind, but I realized they'd be really good things to, to say to you guys because I think it's well thought out if I do say so myself and sometimes I have my moments of clear thought so here we go Um, polio was a much more serious and debilitating disease than China flu that's the first thing so that the need for a vaccine to treat it or prevent it was much, it was a much more needed thing for society than this. We're dealing with a disease here that doesn't affect everyone, certainly doesn't affect children, is 99% plus survivable, is mostly survivable by those with comorbidities and of advanced age, but when it does kill or does leave debilitating results, it's 99% plus times only those with those debilitating comorbidities in age. On the other hand, polio was affecting children, and once it affected you as a child, it will affect you as an adult the rest of your life. Um, Mia Farrow had it. Uh, Yitzhak Perlman had it. You know, um, a, a lot of high-profile people had it, had it, and after the soft vaccine came out, it stopped it. So the vaccine was a miracle drug in many ways, but it was new at a certain time. And yeah, I'm sure people were skeptical about the, the time it was new until it was proven to be safe. Um, in this case, this drug is for a less serious disease and it's so new. And plus the salt vaccine went through extensive testing. This one didn't. This one's actually being tested right now on you in a live medical experiment, in an unprecedented move. So that's reason number one why the Salk vaccine, I would have considered taking it new, while this one I wouldn't. Seriousness of disease. Second reason. This is a big one. The corruption of the pharmaceutical industry today is at legendary proportion. Back during the days of Jonas Salk, it wasn't. Yes, greed, mistakes, Human error, human frailty is a constant throughout all of human history and is just part of human nature. But we did not have the bloated mess of pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry mixed with collusion with government that we have today in which lobbyists basically for the industry control government officials and the licensing boards on and on and on. We didn't have that in the days of Salk. We do have that now. That's a strike against the COVID-19 China flu, Kung flu, Wuhan flu, Kung flu, Kung Pao flu vaccine. Reason three. And this is a huge one. The quality of average American's moral values when the Salk vaccine was developed was much higher than Today. Today people have much worse values. And I would make the assumption, based on just observing human nature, that the percentage of people involved in the pharmaceutical industry and the government licensing boards likewise follow the same trend of diminished values that the general population has. Meaning, in those days of Salk, the average pharmaceutical marketer, employee, developer, scientist, researcher, manufacturer, marketer, lobbyist, endpoint, injector, all had better values as an aggregate whole than the same positions within the China flu vaccine do today. Reason four, and this I think is the biggest one. The rise of junk science. Yes, junk science has always been around. Phrenology, eugenics, the belief that margin was healthier than butter. All sorts of stupid stuff. But it wasn't as widespread and it wasn't as deliberate and we weren't dealing with as, as gigantic a number of people engaging in official bodies as in junk science back then that we are now. Junk science is at an epidemic level now. It wasn't then. And that is gigantic to me. And then the final reason, part and parcel to the last three, is this, Bill Gates... Bill Gates is promoting this vaccine, promoting it. But at the same time, he has just released, a, 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 a he's promoting it while denying he has any involvement in it. And he may, may not. I believe he is, but he's saying he doesn't. So let's believe him that he doesn't. But at the same time, he's promoting the efficacy of this vaccine from a scientific point of view. He has just in the last couple of days released a book on the junk science of global warming. So why should I believe his this guy's opinion on the efficacy of an injectable that's experimental into my body that he's when the same man is promoting junk science in his written literature as an authority on completely unproven junk science. And then finally there's this. It ain't a vaccine. If it was a vaccine and you got injected, you would immediately be cleared to operate in normal life, in normal actions normally. And people wouldn't be telling you, oh, you still have to wear the mask. Oh, you still have to social distance. Oh, you still have to stay out of theaters or you still have to stay out of uh, restaurants. It would be a vaccine, meaning I got injected. I'm immune. I can go about my life now. That's, a, that's the definition of vaccine. Now, there's other definitions of vaccine that have to do with, you know, um, the, the pathogilo- pathological content of what's in the vaccine to stimulate the immune reaction versus this one, which is an mRNA. I don't want to get into all those issues, okay? This isn't a medical show or, or a medical episode at the moment. That's a whole rabbit hole. That's a whole hour-long podcast, okay? I'm not going there. Here, I'm going with the simplest most uh, uh, superficial definition of vaccine, which is once I get this, I'm immune. And with this, the experts are telling you it ain't. So conclusion, it's junk science. It's horrible. Don't take it. End of story. And also, if it were offering you immunological protection, you wouldn't need to be incentivized to take it by having baited hooks dangled from you, which it like, you know, if you take it, we can open up. You know, if we take it, you can go back to school. You know, if you take it, we can be normal again. You know, if you take it, you can go to restaurants again. You know, if you take it, you can travel. There would be no need for that if this thing was really what they say it is. It's not. It's a lie. I'm out of here. Thanks for joining me.